Have you ever thought about how incredibly complex our spit is? It may only be 99% water, but just saliva isn't simple. That remaining 1% holds incredibly meaningful information that could change everything. And I'm not just talking about your family tree. Hi, I'm Baratunde Thurston, and on this season of Spit, an iHeartRadio podcast with 23andMe, we explore how DNA isn't just about ancestry. It can also be key to understanding your health. What's up, you? Welcome back. When Renee Paquette isn't backstage interviewing the grapplers of all elite wrestling, she's busy hosting her podcast, The Sessions with Renee Paquette. Each week, Renee presents unscripted and uncensored interviews with the biggest names in combat sports. Today, she's channeling some of that same energy, but this time, she's going unscripted and uncensored with her 23andMe reports. If Renee wasn't busy enough already, she's also a new mom. Alongside taking care of her daughter and balancing a hectic work schedule, taking care of her physical and mental health are also at the top of her to-do list. So, to help Renee better understand her health, she decided to take a 23andMe test. Today, she's sharing what she learned from her reports and what she plans to do with this new and valuable information. Renee is blown away by the depth of information contained in her reports. There's so much to learn from our genetics. There were plenty of surprises with her ancestry, but also incredible information regarding her sleep health, her predisposition for anxiety, and her amount of Neanderthal DNA. But surprisingly, with all that incredible info at her fingertips, she's probably most happy with what her reports had to say about her sense of smell, and in particular, her ability to smell asparagus. Yeah, she always thought she had a strong sense of smell, and her 23andMe reports just helped confirm what she likes to call her X-Men superpower. There's a whole lot more to unpack in Renee's reports, so let's listen in. Okay, guys, we're here talking 23 and me. I'm Renee Paquette. I am the host of the Sessions podcast on the Volume Podcast Network. Um, you can also see me as a, uh, a, a personality, a broadcaster, an interviewer uh, at All Elite Wrestling. Um, but I am here today doing a, a little debrief on 23andMe, my producer extraordinaire, Emilio Sparks, is here with me while we discuss what exactly went down when finding out about my ancestral roots while doing 23andMe. Honestly, some pretty fascinating stuff. So I feel like at this point, everyone kind of knows what 23andMe is. We've seen it. We've heard about it. We've heard different ads about it, whatever. I've now done it. I'm speaking from a firsthand experience. You get the kit to your house. You get a little vial, you spit in it, which by the way, harder than it maybe seems like it is. I don't know if I just run a dry mouth, but it like <laughs> took me a second. Because you can't just like swish water in your mouth and spit that out. It's got to be like authentic, true spit. You definitely got to work up a lather in your mouth. You do. All of a sudden you get like dry mouth. You're like, oh gosh, what's happening? Did you have spit performance anxiety? I think I did. I think I may have. <laughs> yes, I think that's what happened. All of a sudden I was like, mm-mm. Do I need a drink? Um, anyways, if that's the most difficult aspect of this, then so be it. But um, so you sp- fill up the spit, cap the thing, pops in the, the, the medicine, the juice, the thing that makes it all kind of be ready to ship off. And then you get your results. That's the best part is getting the results. Who am I? Where do I come from? What am I comprised of? Got my mom. I've got my dad. I know what I'm working with with those two. But it's the beyond. That's interesting. Like, not only is like it interesting for me, 
But I have a daughter. I have a, a year and a half old daughter. And this is not new information to humankind, but it's pretty cool when you breed with another person and you're like, what's this kid going to turn into? Is she him? Is she me? What are we going to have? And I always think the important thing, too, because when she does come of age, she's going to want to know her genetic makeup and all the things that make you and your husband, you and your husband. And then in turn, what does that make her? You know, yeah. and the test is the test is more about you, but it's the the analytical data that you can explain to her. So when yes. she's ready to take the test, she knows mom is this Dad is this, and here's their data to prove both. Well, it's really trippy, too, because, like, when you're pregnant, you really start to go, like, down the family tree of, like, what are the options? What do we have? Like, John has some redheads in his family. I was like, am I going to? There's a chance I could have a redheaded baby. That could happen. Nora's not a redhead. She has, like, white, white, white hair. And the reasoning for that is if we look at my ancestry breakdown here, (laughs) 97%. (laughs) Northern European, British, and Irish, and 0.6% Scandinavian. Maybe it's that Scandinavian side that's giving her that creamy white skin and that white blonde hair. It's a nice look. So you're just almost white across the board. I am white, 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 brother. I am whole milk over here. But... You're 0.4% Central Asian and 5% Eastern Asian. Who saw that on the bingo card? I didn't see that in the bloodline. Did your mom know that you have had some Asian ancestry? I've not spoken to my mom about this, but I'm, I can nearly bet that her, her, her answer is no. I don't know where that comes from. I mean, obviously, this is like lines and lines of great, 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 great grandparents. Um, but that's really interesting. I love that. How, how really, it's kind of interesting though. Cause like the British stuff, the Scandinavian, even it's, I'm like, I'm, I'm British Irish for the European for the most part, but like even that little bit of Scandinavians, like, okay, I'll take it. I like it. And do you know that I have more Neanderthal DNA than 45% of other customers? You know, so what we did was I I reached out to the good folks at 23andMe and they kind of broke it down a little bit. So they said that everyone who's mostly Euro-Asian genetic ancestry has somewhat about 2% of that Neanderthal genome from like a distant Neanderthal. I'm like Encino Man over here, baby. You're like Brendan Fraser. You know, you're just whizzing on the juice. The juice. Juice. What does that even like really mean to have like more Neanderthal? Like, isn't that what we all come from? I'm just closer to it in bloodline than most people are. I think we all come from that. Yes. But let's see what they say. So I guess from from how they broke it down for me with all the sciencey text, um, with the email that I got was that. So if Renee is about 400 of the DNA variants we test that are inherited from Neanderthals. Most people have less than 400 variants. So we'll let you know that your percentile is on the higher side than typical 23andMe users. I feel thrilled by this. I am a salt of the earth gal. This is why. You really are. So like when you think of just like all across the world, you have little bits and pieces of that now. And the fun part about this stuff is after you get this stuff, now you can go on a whole deep dive and do your Googles 
then you have these conversations with your mom and your dad and be like, do you know any of this stuff? And then they, they tell you what that stuff is. So when your kid is of age, you can be like, you know, mom is like a special part of being a Neanderthal. Okay, so we have some of those, like part of that information is laid out for us, just like the my descent, where I'm from, et cetera. But you also get your health predispositions and some of the traits. Now, some of the ones that I saw from here that I really wanted to focus on and talk about that I think are really cool. This one's actually wrong, I will say, but it said that I had a 65% chance of having stretch marks. So I'm actually stretch markless, and so was my mom. So when I got pregnant with Nora, I was the size of a house. I had a huge belly and I just did not get stretch marks. Granted, I put like the lotions on the lotions and the potions and I worked with it the best I could. But apparently that doesn't really matter. You either get stretch marks or you don't, which I had no idea. But I actually didn't get any and neither did my mom. So take that. I'm learning so much about your body right now. Yeah, I mean, buckle up. There's more, but there's more. Um, that I'm, I'm also likely to match a pitch so that I can carry a tune. This is one that I would happily check off that I think I can rock the shit out of a song. Listen, you have musical notes and from like the breakdown of the report goes, if you hear a musical note, you can sing it back. So like you being able to carry a tune is knowing like, like certain chords. So you might not know what a G flat is. But you can hear it, but you can hit it. So you can match the pitch vocally. That's really interesting that like my genetics would tell you that. Because I think my mom can like sing all right. I'm better for sure, but. <laughs> but it's the ability to to hear somebody sing. You know, let's just say like you like Jenny Lewis. So if Jenny Lewis is singing in an octave that you're comfortable with, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I think I can match that. So yeah, us breaking it down in a layman's term, I can carry a tune is, yeah, you could sing, but how it breaks down for this thing is, is that you hear the pitch and you know the octave. You might not be classically trained to be like, oh, that's an A sharp, but you can hit it. That's really interesting. How cool. Gosh, you're, I mean... That's when I read that, I was like, oh, that's really interesting because I really have always felt like when I hear something, I can kind of like I know I can like feel where I know where it's got to go. It's a gift. I find it incredibly fascinating that they can figure this out through your saliva and certain biomarkers within that. (laughs) Isn't that a trip? It's, It's crazy to me that they could that they can do this. It's really cool. They can even whittle it right down to to kind of in and around what time I wake up at. So my time predictor of like of my my rising for the day is 8:18 a.m. Now in a perfect world that would be beautiful. I have a child. So usually it's a little bit before that. Um but yeah, that's a, it's really interesting. I didn't know that we had like predispositions to um to hours of of wakefulness. I did not know this. What would yours be? Oh my gosh, you're like El Vampiro over here. I, well, you sold me on this. So now I'm going to get the test and I'm going to do all the, the necessary steps for it. I think I can easily spit into this thing. I, I don't think I'll yeah, have- don't um, get dry mouth. No, I'm good on that. I won't have uh, spit performance anxiety. 
You say that now, but I don't know. Call a girl when it happens. We'll see. There's a lot going on right now in my mouth, so we'll see. But <laughs> um, I think I, I would like to know what my specific like makeup would be for sleeping. I, I'm curious yes. about that because sleep health is a thing that I'm trying to get into and being better at. So I'm, I'm all in on the 23andMe. This is something that I found interesting. They said, Renee, your generic results is associated with a typical likelihood of being diagnosed with anxiety. An estimated 62 out of 100 people with genetic and other factors like yours have been diagnosed with their anxiety by their 20s. This is within what is considered typical, which can be anywhere from 52 to 68 out of 100 people. So like, did you ever get diagnosed with anxiety by your early 20s because you've mentioned on our program the the sessions you can download that stitcher spotify apple wherever you get your podcast youtube (laughs) that sometimes you do you do suffer from anxiety now which is caused by or triggered by claustrophobia so now did you have that in your in your 20s i did not have that in my 20s this was more of a 30s renee kick in um, yeah, you know, I really was not an anxious, and like day to day, I would not classify myself as an anxious person. I mean, like anybody, I think we all at one point or another might have like little bouts of anxiety. I think that's just like our human nature. But yeah, mine, mine definitely gets like kicked into high gear if, um, yeah, if it's a claustrophobic situation, an elevator, hell no. Uh, sometimes like, you know, being stuck in a car or being in a plane, like there's certain little things that can trigger it, but also kind of a genetic thing because my mom's really bad with it. I don't know when hers kicked in, but it's funny because I used to laugh at my mom because she was like so massively claustrophobic. My mom cannot wear a turtleneck without freaking out. Like it's, it's actually quite comical. Not for her, but for anybody else around it is. Like literally one time we got in a cab and John was like, oh my God, can you handle being at the very back of this cab? We had to pull over because <laughs> she freaked out. She couldn't handle it. But anyways, I used to always find that like quite amusing. And then lo and behold, I call my mom one day. I'm like, mom, I, I got to get off this plane. I'm freaking out. She was like, ha, welcome to my world. Um, so yeah, I guess it was some kind of a predetermined situation I would find myself in. It's not fun. I want to talk about the bunions. I want to talk about the bunions, but then I also seen that, Renee, your genetic results are also associated with a typical likelihood of developing asthma. An estimated 23% of people with the genetics and other factors like yours have developed asthma by their 20s. This is based on data from female from 23 research participants of European descent. So you're in that 23, which is a typical range, they say. I feel like when I was younger, and I don't even know if this is true, but I feel like my mom had me convinced that maybe I had asthma. I had a, I had an inhaler for a minute, but I think I was just maybe sick for a period of time. I don't think I had asthma. And kind of same, same now. I'm, I got like huge lungs on me. I'm like a silverback gorilla over here. I got big old lungs. It's because you're, you're able to just speak without taking a breath. I, my, my rib cage is huge. Huge rib cage, massive, massive. You got to see the rib cage on this person. I know, and can match match a pitch effortlessly. You have the lungs of Pavarotti. <laughs> um, okay, so the bunion one I find really interesting because I John makes fun of me, my husband. He makes fun of me for this all the time. But I had bunion surgery when I was about eighteen. 
So I was supposed to, I actually have bunions on both my feet, but I, according to 23andMe, I have a likelihood to not develop bunions, but I actually have them on both feet. So bad that I had surgery on one of them. They actually want to do surgery on both. I didn't find the surgery to be that bad, but everyone told me that it's like this hellacious surgery. So I was like, well, I don't want to do both and be like out. And I developed them because I played so many sports growing up. So my feet were always in skates. I was doing gymnastics. I was doing dance. I was doing a bunch of different things. And my feet got jacked up. Um, so I, I extra didn't want to be out even longer than that by doing both surgeries. I really wish I did now because my one that I didn't do surgery on is <sighs> calling me up on the phone. It's not good. You always make the joke about like your your wiki feet. So does like the so does the does the bunions <laughs> does the bunion get you more action? Yeah. Uh, there's got to there's got to be a market for it. <laughs> People like a hard working foot. This is not a cushioned foot. This foot has uh, put in work and effort, and uh, it's it's earned its scars. That's for sure. Oh, that's funny. Um, I'm one of the people whose pee would not smell like asparagus I didn't I thought everyone's pee smelled like asparagus my pee smells like asparagus the second I ingest it well the the report is your ability to smell versus the pee itself smelling oh oh I got a nose like a bloodhound I smell everything the ability to smell asparagus in urine is your ability because of your nose not because your tinkle smells like a vegetable Got it. Can I tell you this? Last night, I go to bed ahead of John. I'm falling asleep. I'm like, something stinks in our room. What is happening? He he makes fun of me all the time. He's always like, it stinks. This stinks. This smells. Like, he makes fun of me because I'm constantly saying things stink. So I text him because I'm up in bed and I didn't want to, like, walk all the way. I'm like, can you come upstairs for a minute? He comes, like, sauntering upstairs. I go, your shoes are in this bedroom and they just woke me up because I can smell them. Like, my (laughs) nose smells everything. You cannot sneak something past these nostrils. I smell it all. All of it. Which is troublesome considering I have a bulldog who just, like, drops bombs all day long. See, so it's your ability to smell, which is cool. So you can can really flush out some, some interesting stuff. I feel like my sense of smell is like my super lame, like X-Men trait. That's what I would be. I'd be the superhero that smells everything. Like I, I, I could be like a, a carbon monoxide detector or something. I smell everything. This, since you mentioned being an athlete, I'm looking at muscle composition on your 23andMe. And it says, Renee, your genetic muscle composition is common in elite power athletes. It is true. We, I mean, we have so many different athletes on the sessions, which you can listen to all the places that Emilio rattled off earlier. We've got all these different athletes on all the time. And it's funny because I'm currently not an athlete. I am a broadcaster. I work in the sports space, however. So when I hearken back to like the good old days of when I was kicking ass and taking names and, you know, whether I was running track and field, playing ringette, I was doing high jump, I was doing gym, I did everything. I was pretty good at it. I guess I was like kind of cut out for it. And I build muscle really fast. Studies have found that almost all elite power athletes, including sprinters, throwers, and jumpers, have a specific genetic variant in gene related to muscle composition. You have the same genetic variant as these elite athletes. That's me. I told you I was not playing. I can jump very high and I can run very fast. About your athletic endurance and says with most elite power athletes who have been studied have this genetic variant that allows them to produce 
I can't even pronounce that word 23andMe, but it's a protein <laughs> in the muscle. That <laughs> so so pretty much like you are you are a, a above average because of this like specific. That's protein. so cool. Differences in genetic markers used in this report may only explain about two or three percent of the difference in muscle performance between different people in elite athletes who work intensely to reach upper limits of their potential that two or three percent may mean something different whether it's qualifying for the olympics and you're just missing the cut but for the rest of us the choices that we make and how we train will far outweigh our contribution than our genetic marker as a result it's really interesting uh i mentioned my daughter nora at the very beginning of this and as she's coming into her own, she's walking, she's starting to pick up the speed, she's developed a little power shuffle. She is hauling ass, this kid. But I look at her and I'm like, is she going to have that same kind of like athleticism that I have? And what sport is she going to gravitate towards? Like, I can't wait to see what she does with this little bod when now I've combined with another, I'm, I'm not a super uh, human, but John is kind of a superhuman. My husband is a professional wrestler. What is our child going to be? Well, you're also downplaying professional wrestler. He is a multi-time world heavyweight champion in the world of professional wrestling. And he's also as big as a house. <laughs> your your husband is very, he's in very good shape. He has a background in catch wrestling and jujitsu. So he's a very, very strong man as well. And what we have to do now is we have to get John to spit into a cup so we can see his results. And then maybe we do something later on on our program, the sessions, you can download that wherever you get podcasts and see what the results were. And then we can combine those things. And then when Nora is ready to play a sport, now you know, like, hey, maybe the kid can get a little something from column A and column B. Maybe she could be a relay race runner or a high jumper or a pole vaulter like Alicia Newman. Big shout outs to Alicia Newman. You could download that episode right now. Um, so this is what I found interesting because you are a dog person. Oh, yeah. Renee, your genetic result is associated with a typical likelihood of developing a dog allergy. An estimated 6% of people with your genetics and other factors like yours have developed a dog allergy by their 40s. No! This is based on data from females from 23andMe research with participants of European descent. So right now you are in the- I didn't know it could kick in that oh, late. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you're in the 6th percentile, which is the typical range right now. And this is an estimate currently based on the data that has been updated at this time. Oh my goodness, that's really sad news. I mean, it's, I, you know, both of my dogs shed a ton, but hey, if I've got until my 40s, oh God, I'm actually getting kind of close. So let's see what happens. Buckle up. That would suck. It even talks about nearsightedness. There's seasonal allergies. There's lactose intolerant tests. What is your favorite fact that you learned while skimming through my results that you're like, wow, that's interesting? I think it would probably have to be that you are 5% Korean. I think that is <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think that is incredible yeah. because if you were to Google Renee Paquette, she is as white as snow. To see that, I think that's incredibly cool because now there's this entire history to be learned about a culture that now you are a part of. And to learn that is fascinating to me. So would that mean that I would have like potentially like a Korean great 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 grandfather or grandmother or something possibly yes i think it's interesting to to now to go back and learn 
where you come from, who you are, and what that is. Let's see. So um, it's called the Hallow Group. This shares DNA with Viking warriors as well. Basically, don't mess with me. I'm Neanderthal, Viking. I've got this athletic gene that will kick your ass. I've got it all. You get this from your mom. Fathers cannot pass this DNA to their offsprings. The Viking I get from my mom? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, how crazy is that? I actually buy that. My mom's pretty fiery. I could see her doing well in a Viking situation. She's small, but she's mighty. You have Viking warrior ancestry. So it's like you have a small piece of mitochondrial DNA that was passed down from mothers to their children. So your great, 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 great grandnanny might have been this badass Viking warrior babe. Hell yes, she was. Oh my God, I can like picture her, this blonde hair just blowing in the wind, just taking, taking hoes out. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? is not our podcast. We're guests. We're good. Um, but the cool part is now you have all this research, right? You can go back and you can always check your 23andMe portal. And if there is something that you want to investigate, And deep dive into... And you find other family members on there. We know that part, but that was really cool when I kind of gave a little brief glance and I was like, oh my God, these cousins that are like really close in like bloodlines. It's cool. I advise anybody to go and take a 23andMe test It's fun. It is fun. If nothing else, it's just like fun. Like, yeah, it's cool to like, if you want to connect with family members, you want to find people that you're related to, of course, that prospect is out there and that's really cool. Uh, but just knowing who you are, where you come from, what all is living in your body and how it got there and, you know, medically things that you could be predispositioned towards. So really, really cool stuff. I highly recommend it. I'm really happy that I did it. And um, there's just so much information there. So I'm just going to continue to sift through it, learn more about myself, try to convince my husband to do one um, so that we can kind of compare notes and see what we're really working with. Um, But yeah, really a great time. Highly suggest it. Thank you guys for hanging out with me and Emilio, learning a little bit more about uh, about my body and what, what, uh, what I bring to the table as a human being. So thank you, Spit. Thank you, 23andMe. Neanderthal out. And that's it on another dope show. Did this episode inspire you to take a closer look at your health history, your genetic makeup? Who knew DNA could reveal so much about our past while also holding the keys to certain health insights that may impact our future? I continue to be inspired by these stories, and I hope you do as well. Catch you next time. Listen to Spit, an original podcast from iHeartRadio and 23andMe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.